What is up, faithful listeners? Welcome to another episode of Mafia Wife Life here in the Mafia Wife Life studios. You already know it's your girl, a Mafia Wife. Um, I go hot and cold on this particular platform, as I have explained before. Um, as an expressive person, I am grateful for all of the ways um, that are available for communication. I think that anybody that is creative is trying to express something. And I think it's great that, you know, that they, that they find a way to, um, to be able to make that happen. Uh, personally, you know, there's so many ways, um, obviously the spoken word, the written word, um, how you express yourself visually with maybe how you dress or wear your hair, um, how you, how you live your life inside your home, outside your home, how you express yourself in, um, different hobbies or other creative, um, pursuits. I love it. And, you know, I've been through different things in my life as any human being, has been and depending on what it is that I'm doing or going through at a particular time or era as my girls tend to say currently um, I've always found a way to associate it with a form of expression I'm so grateful and I know that that has been the thing that has that has saved me in a way. Um, I, I don't need to have people co-sign and say, yeah, I agree. That's not really it. It's never been it. But the fact that I am able in myself to express, that's really been it. You know, I am with the Godfather. We've been together now over 40 years. And we could not be more different in so many ways. But I am so grateful for the ways that he is different than me. And he is grateful for the ways that I am different from him. Because we are able to push each other. We are able to grow. And we are able to learn. And we're able to understand. Um... You know, I know that when I had breast cancer, for example, the first time, uh, it, I, ha I got in the habit of just writing a little essay every morning. You know, when I got up, I would just write whatever was on my mind that day, and then I would just go about my day. Having the opportunity to just get whatever I was feeling or thinking about out of me and just like put it out there then it just was not something that sort of stayed inside me throughout the day and I didn't have to call the godfather and say hey this is what I'm thinking you know blah 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 I would just um I would just write it and he would read it 
and that would be that. But I know also that, you know, as it turns out, tens of thousands of others ended up reading it and it helped them too. And that's a great thing because I think that expression can be unifying, right? So, but when I was done with that experience of cancer, I didn't keep talking about it. I had already talked about it. I had already experienced it. So I went on and, you know, did whatever else I was doing. And I, 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 I think I went into leather after that and I started really expressing what I thought was strong and what I thought was, um, singular and, uh, you know, I didn't set out to, you know, like make pieces that were worn on stage by, you know, um, truly what are people, what, what people consider as legends in our time. I, I never set out to do that. You know, I set out to, um, make a piece for a friend of one of my daughters who was, I thought a kindred spirit and he was starting to blow up and he was, uh, given a contract in Nashville as a songwriter and a performer and because of where we live in, in our area, you know, it has a reputation as being, you know, oh, just a bunch of redneck, you know, farmers. And, and I said, I'll be damned, you know, you're not going to go. And this was very early on. Um, this was one of the biggest gigs he had had at that point. Um, he was going to perform in front of 15,000 people in Florida. And I'll say, damn, if you're going to get up there and perform in a John Deere t-shirt, I'm going to make you a damn vest. And he said, okay. So I made him a vest. And then from that, you know, other musicians saw it and they were like, man, where'd you get that? And he said, oh, blah, blah, blah. And one thing led to another and, um, I dug it, you know, and, but in my mind, I was trying to express something more than, than, than what I was able to express with the tools that I had. Um, and I, I wanted some metal, but I couldn't, no metal existed that I had imagined. You know, I knew what I wanted, but there was nowhere that I could find that had it. So the people that I was making pieces for, they were photographing, they were being photographed and they were posting on their social media. And, um, long story short, some of these people were wearing jewelry that was designed by a jewelry designer in Los Angeles who was creating pieces for all kinds of rock stars. I mean, legit hardcore legends. And he was having the same issue that I was having. Like he could do metal, but he wanted to have his metal on leather, but he couldn't find anybody doing leather that were doing it to a standard that he would want to have his metal on. And I was the same, you know? So I would see 
like he was designing jewelry for um, all that stuff that you would see, like Joe Perry, Steven Tyler, Johnny Depp, all those guys, just like layers of metal. You know, he was he was the one that was making those pieces, and um, and I knew who he was because I was aware of those pieces, and. And, uh, so the people that I was making leather for would be wearing my leather pieces with his jewelry that he had made. And so I would be seeing the pictures that they posted and I would say, man, I love his work. And he would see those pictures, the same pictures and say, man, I love that work. So he reached out to me and he said, blah, blah, blah. You know, would you like to collaborate? And I'm like, damn right. I would. So that's how we ended up collaborating. And that is how, and I didn't go looking for this. I ended up, you know, creating pieces for the Hollywood Vampires tour and ended up doing pieces for, you know, for Alice Cooper, for Joe Perry, for Johnny Depp, for Steven Tyler, for, you know, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. Um, or, you know, I can't even think of all the other artists, um, that have, you know, worn my pieces. Um, but I still really loved just making, you know, making what I was feeling for this friend of my daughter's who I saw as a very singular voice, as a very authentic voice, and as a person that was kindred to myself meaning he was, you know, he was a little bit misunderstood in his community. And I, I understood that. And yet he was still pursuing what he knew his vision and his truth to be. So that is how we aligned and how we continue to align. And, you know, I loved it. I, you know, I loved I loved working that way and um, I found it very creatively satisfying. Um, we started to overlap on, or I started to overlap on a design project that I was involved in, which was um, real estate development down at the beach. So I started getting away from leather in order to be able to really concentrate on the you know design challenges that I was facing on real estate down at the beach which was great it's all design it's all expression it's all um, storytelling and it's all communicating you know and it's not about oh who likes what I'm making it's always been like this is what I'm thinking this is what I'm feeling this is a problem this is what I see as a solution um, you know, so, so that, you know, that went on and then all, all along I would be doing other creative projects. I would, you know, be, you know, be writing here and there Then I, I started, I forget how I got into music again. I've always loved music, but, and I sang, you know, in high school and I was in a little band, you know, early in college, but. I, I didn't pursue that once I started having a family because I did not want to 
put myself in a position of having to be out late at night um, and potentially be away from my family because that was my priority and I was not going to let anything get in the way of that. When our youngest daughter was a senior in high school, I thought, you know, it's okay if I get back into music, you know, one night a week, I can go out to practice, blah, blah, blah. So I got back into music and expressing in that way. And it was so fabulous at the same time or within months of my, you know, reconnecting with that part of myself, I had a second breast cancer diagnosis. Um, and that was time consuming. Um, there was a lot of things that happened during that time that sort of sidelined me over and over again, you know, with infections, multiple surgeries, blah, 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 blah. Um, but you know, that, you know, we went through that and then COVID hit and, you know, everybody knows what happened during COVID, but COVID did not really impact our lives because we were always kind of living simply anyway. It's not like, you know, we were going out and having these, you know, big social presences in our lives. We were always cooking at home, being at home, you know, and it was completely fine. So that did not really impact our life, but I knew now that I was a, um, an empty nester, I, I knew that I had to get to the business of writing this book that I, that I have always known is in me. And, uh, I never really wanted to write that, but I, I knew, I, I just knew that it was something that I had to get off of my plate, you know, and nobody was saying, oh, you have to write it. I was saying it to myself, you know, it's something in me, I have to do it. So that's been very interesting developing these, these essays. And, um, one of my friends that is sort of helping me with the editing, you know, I think I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, you don't sit down to write a book, you write stories. And, you know, in the process of writing stories, you realize there's a book. So, you know, that's really what I've been working on in the midst of, you know, being a parent, being a spouse, having grandchildren, one, then two, then three, four, now five grandchildren, um, designing other projects at the beach, selling other projects, um, you know, creating another project up here in Richmond that will combine the sensibilities of, um, of the beach and here, uh, you know, I, I have been doing everything else creative that I can do without having to write, but you know, that's a fool's errand because I know that I just need to write and get it over with in the process of my writing the essays, you know, I had the, the word counts, you know, and I just kept writing and writing and I made it my business to keep writing. And I knew that once I was done writing, I knew that there was a book. I knew there was a book in there because I had said everything that there was to say. 
and I had the Godfather, you know, calculate all the essays. And for a memoir, one is typically uh, typically ninety thousand words. Um, it can be give or take. You know, you can do eighty, you can do a hundred, hundred and ten, but it's typically ninety thousand words. I had written. 225,000 words. So I had too many words. I knew I had a lot of words. I didn't know I had that many words. So now I've been in the process of, of paring down or creating a manuscript. Um, and so shaping the book has been as challenging and as interesting in terms of sequence as it has been in actual writing. So, you know, I have my family, God love them. You know, if I'm stuck on something, every now and then, you know, they will be gracious enough to listen. And I, I am so moved by this. I am so moved, you know, my daughters, you know, the Godfather, my sister Mary, they're such generous listeners. Um, and they have been with me throughout this process. And I know that my voice has always been singular. It's always been my voice, my experience, my, my, my account, my story, as I have experienced it, as I have lived it. But I know that my own voice my own participation in my own story has um, has evolved, and I can I can be I can be part of the story without having to actually be inside of it, which is something that I can't really explain to people. What I mean by that, you know, I'm actually able to tell a story without feeling like I'm stabbing myself. And to know that it is being received that way, to me, is, is a great, great gift. Um, funny enough, one of my daughters recently said, you know, can you get sued for this? And I was like, hell yeah, damn right I could. But that's not going to happen because there's ways to tell a story and protect oneself, you know, obviously. Um do I know that I would, I, I am dealing with people who would love nothing more than to, than to sue me? Yes, of course I do, because I have dealt with them for a very long time. Um, I know who is listening to my podcast. I know why they are listening. And I also know that, you know, back to what I started with in the beginning of this episode about expression, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or, you know, blogging or what, or podcasting, whatever I've done over the years of my life when it comes to expression, I mean, you know, I don't understand why certain people are tuning in or listening, you know, I put my family stuff up on Facebook and then I have other people, um, you know, hardcore creeping on my page. Um, I know this is fact. I know who they are and I don't understand it because I 
think that if you're interested enough in knowing what other people are doing, then you should probably be part of their life, you know? And if you're not part of their life, then I don't think that they should be worth your time. You know, I don't see the point. I don't see any, any value in trying to creep on what they're doing. Um, having said that, I am not going to pretend or suggest innuendo anymore or going forward um, with regards to me and my own family, which is the Godfather, our four daughters, our in-laws, and our grandchildren, right? That is my family. My family is the family that I created and the family that loves me. They love me and I love them. Um, my mother's family is my mother's family. And, you know, things obviously for you listeners, you obviously know things have gone south. That's why you're tuning in because you already know, no surprise. Um, why have they gone south? Because I have always expressed myself, you know, go back to the beginning of this podcast if you want to know about that anymore, but you don't need to. I'm very clear on the fact that I'm direct and a fan of expression. Um, I, I don't care what other people do. You know, if other people are doing what they think is native to their own heart and mind, that's the best way to go. That is what people should be doing. But to be frustrated with situations in their own lives for, you know, failing to step up to bat or, you know, failing to, you know, put real effort into what they know that they should be putting effort into um, and then coming after somebody else for the ways that they have lived their lives in an authentic way is, is absolute bullshit. You know, I've never said I'm perfect. I never wanted to be perfect. I have always said I am me and, um, and that's it. You know, that is it. I know that my sister recently went and saw my mother and I am doing this podcast because my mother, I don't even want to say she's my mother because, you know, if she was my mother, then she would, you know, she would, she would be my mother. You know, you can't be somebody's mother and block them for years and threaten them with coming over, you know, um, I don't want to have a mother who threatens me with a court order if I come to her house. I don't want to think that I have a mother who blocks me for years, who, I, I you know, that, that's just not my definition of a mother. But, um, you know, and I'm sorry, that's just, you know, if I blocked my children... If I blocked one of my daughters, I would forfeit my own right to call myself a mother because to call myself a mother to one of my children by doing that 
to them. I would have to recuse myself. I just, I just couldn't do it, you know? So this person marries my sister's mother, um, who has threatened me in these ways and who has enjoyed keeping me at arm's length is now saying that my, the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I'm not going to allow this person to actually say that, you know, oh, it's my children who have not brought their children over to see her. I'm sorry, no. You know, if you are a mother who is a grandmother, who is a great-grandmother, you know, it is your duty as a matriarch, as a leader, as a person who has the benefit of 85 plus years of living. It is your duty. It is your duty to reach out despite how you feel about me, despite how you feel about me. It is your duty to reach out to those people, those children, those new mothers and say, congratulations. I would love to meet your little one. I would love to meet my great grandchild, but you don't do that. And that's your choice. You don't have to do it as cruel as it is. You don't have to do it, but you don't also get to say, um, they're not coming to me. You don't get to put that on them. That is why I am doing this podcast. You don't get to do that, okay? It is not their responsibility to crawl to the feet of your altar and lay their children in front of you because I will tell you, if your mother or your father blocked you and threatened you from coming home, even though they allowed their other children and grandchildren to come at will, if one of your parents did that to you, there is no way in hell that despite how I felt about them, despite how I might have loved them, I would never, ever have seen them if they blocked you, my own mother. So you don't get to do that. Um, you don't have to invite me to your house. You don't have to invite me to Thanksgiving, but you don't also get to say that you're inviting everyone. Okay. Because you're not inviting everyone. You're inviting everyone except for one of your children. Okay. Let's just make that clear. You're inviting everyone except for one. Now, if it is clear that I am no longer one of your children, then I think it's also fair that you don't get to display the fact that you are the mother of 13. You don't get to hang my picture or include me on the Christmas stocking lineup or add me to the Chris, to the charms on the necklace or the bracelet that I 
bought for you that you gave away that I asked Chrissy to remove from the arm of her daughter before she was buried. None of that is appropriate. If I am not part of the group, you don't get to also um, parade me around as though I am because I'm not because you've made that clear, okay? You don't get to say, no, I don't want Katie to visit me in the hospital or rehab. No, I don't. I don't want that. If you feel like that, go for it. But you don't get to say it and then also say you're inviting everybody because you're not. And then I hear... And I'm not going to pretend that I didn't hear that your sister's oldest son is coming to visit and he's calling everybody. He's calling everybody because he wants to see everybody. Okay. I'm not going to pretend that I don't know that. And of course I don't get a call, but my sister says, well, what are you going to do mom? If he calls Katie and you say, I don't know. What does that mean? That if Tommy decided to call Katie because he said he was going to call everyone, say he called Katie, you know, and invited Katie, and then you're going to say you don't know what you would do? What, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that you don't want Tommy to know that you've blocked me for all this time? You're also assuming that I would come if he asked me. That's quite an assumption because I don't go anywhere. I don't spend time with anyone who is not interested in seeing me, speaking to me, or my family. We know who we are. We know what we've done. We know we've been good. You know, I'm sorry you don't appreciate the fact that I have had no tolerance for what I know is bullshit from the rest of your children. Those aren't my children. Those are your children. Your children don't call, quote, family members when they have cancer or when a new baby is born they don't do that. That's not my children. Those are your children. Okay. That's not my family. Um, so I'm not going to pretend that, oh yeah, you know, uh, potentially I am part of the everyone, you know, I'll get a call from so-and-so, but I don't. And that's fine too. But then you tell this one sister that I have that, um, you know, that you had everybody over and everybody was having a great time and nobody talked about anything, congratulations, you know, congratulations if that's true. And I suppose that it is true, but obviously somebody's talked about something. Otherwise I would have been called. I would have been called, right? Why would you talk about something that's already been talked about? Like you said, after your sons, Eddie and Neil, put a total smear campaign on me and my husband. And then you actually said to me, oh, they're not going to say anything 
anymore. And I'm like, really? Well, what difference does that make? You can't murder somebody that you've already killed. Okay. Everything's already been said. Okay. If you guys want to pretend that, you know, everything is a certain way and that is how you're comfortable, fine. Go for it. If I hear something, I'm not going to pretend that what I heard or saw didn't exist because it exists. Okay. It exists. And I'm being very direct. I'm being very upfront about what I know to be true. You know, I know who I am. I know who I've been. And, you know, I don't want to hear that you pray for all of your family every day. And I'm not making fun of your religion. I've never made fun of your religion, but I do question how, how can you, how can you do both? Say that you pray every day and that you're all about quote forgiveness and acceptance and moving on. Yet you keep along with your warden, your oldest son, you take so much sadistic pleasure in keeping us away because as your other son told me that your firstborn son who has never had a life of his own said she will come see mom over my dead body. You know these things. You know these things to be true. You know, you know who these people are and you're making your choices and that is fine. Do whatever you want. Um, but I'm not going to sit back and act like I don't know what is true. I can live with myself, you know, as can my family. And it is absurd. It is inhuman. It is wrong, um, you know, what you have allowed and what your children have done under your sanction. And I know, and I've said it before, you know, it wouldn't have happened if dad was here. And I'm not giving him a pass because he was fucked up too in the ways that he was. He was, you know. But he wasn't entirely fucked up in the same way that you're not, you know, every, and I'm not, everybody's got good and bad. Everybody has good and bad. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I know damn well, if your sisters were alive and they came to your house and said they would like to see me and they invited me, you know, you wouldn't have this fucking gate that you've got. Well, congratulations. You have been very successful at keeping us away. You have succeeded in that. At the same time, you don't get to say that we are keeping the grandchildren from you because that's not the truth. You have kept yourself from us and you have enjoyed the fact that your lieutenant keeps 
that going. I don't need people like that in my life. You know, if people want to um, associate with people that uh, they, they know are authentic, that's on them, you know, but that, that's no guarantee that that's where we're at. I'm just not going to pretend like things are one way when they're not. Um, I could say a lot more, but I've gotten so many interruptions here, so I have to say goodbye. So T-T-Y-L.